Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. The Pan-Africanist leader, Robert Sabukwe, is one of the unsung heroes of South African history. During his years as a senior journalist for the Rand Daily Mail, Benjamin Pogrand befriended Sabukwe and after his death wrote an acclaimed book about his life. A crucial support for Robert Sabukwe during the bitter years of fighting apartheid was his wife, Veronica. On Thursday, she will celebrate her 90th birthday. Benjamin joins me in studio now to tell us more about this remarkable woman. Benjamin, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. It's lovely to have you back in the studio. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. I look forward to your trips to South Africa with great excitement and uh, (laughs) anticipation, and it's lovely to have you here. Thank you. Benjamin, um, Veronica Sabuku was starting to be a nurse when she met Robert, and she noted, When I first saw him, I think my heart skipped a beat. It was love at first sight. The couple married afterwards, and, and she was a rock of support to Robert throughout his life. Tell me when you met her. Well, I met her soon after I met him, which goes back a long time. Um, my then fiance, my first wife, was a student of his in Zulu at Fitz. And I went to fetch her one day and uh, met him in the classroom. And it was just one of those instant friendships which endured for the next, what, 20 more years until he died, very young, unfortunately. And I met Veronica not long after. She was a very shy woman, uh, reclusive. And Bob used to say to me, tell me how shy she was, and said, look, you've got to get to know her very slowly. It took a long time, but we then became very, very good friends. I spoke to her yesterday on the phone. It's her 90th birthday next Thursday, and she is really one of the great, great people of this country. And she's been quiet, she's been diffident, but she's been one of the extraordinary unsung heroes of South Africa. Well, it's quite remarkable because yesterday in preparation for the show, I was Googling Robert Sabukwe, I was Googling yourself, and I was Googling Veronica um, Sabukwe to find out exactly when she was born. And I couldn't actually get a date on the internet, which is very unusual to not be able to find anything. Um, and, And I realized how much in the background she was, but that didn't detract from the role that she played. Absolutely. She shared all the major decisions with him. I've actually written a tribute uh, to her, which is supposed to appear in the Sunday Times this week. So I tell the story about her life and how she overcame the traumas one after the other. And as I say, I said in my book about him and I say in the article also, over the years, I never heard a single complaint from her. At the most, at the really bad times, there'd either be a quiet little soft click of the tongue or a deep sigh. That was all. And yet when I spoke to her yesterday, she's in a lot of pain from rheumatoid arthritis. Um, She's 90. She's not well. And yet there's a warm cheeriness when she speaks to me and to Anne, which is just totally different from the image she appears to present to the public. Right. Uh, And, Benjamin, I saw when I I reread your book yesterday evening, and it is an incredible book. And, uh, you know, uh, it is one of the best books actually on apartheid South Africa, on what it was like, because it's not just his history, it's 
South Africa's history, but it's also the friendship between a white journalist and somebody who who was not given the opportunities that you had. And there's so much to that book, and it can be read at so many different levels. But one of the things that struck me was a letter that he wrote to her from Robben Island. And it was so full of love. I was going to read mm. it, but then I thought I might weep on air, mm. which I don't like to do. do you, can you tell us about their relationship? Well, thank you for that wonderful tribute to the book. Obviously, I agree. And in fact, I might as well tell you, I'm in South Africa at the moment because of the book. Um, it was published 27 years ago. It's now in its third edition last year with about 40 photographs we added to them. And uh, it's still selling nearly 2,000 copies a year, uh, which is rather nice. And I get every six months a royalty statement from Jonathan Ball Publishers. And just um, two and a half weeks ago, um, the latest royalty statement arrived, and I looked at it, and I said to Anne, you know, there's enough here for two airfares to South Africa. <laughs> Let's go. We thought we'd go and see Veronica for a birthday, but I haven't been to Wales, so I, I can't do the trip. But there's Anne's mother here. I've got my son here and daughter-in-law and five grandchildren and friends like you. So we said, let's come to South Africa. And that's why I'm here, because of the book. Because of the book. Um, well, he was an extraordinary person, obviously, as I say in the book. And their relationship was a close one. And the book tells that. Um, I was privileged to be uh, for her to show me the letters that he'd written to her. And I used them judiciously. I didn't want to expose too much. But that letter in particular on her 40th birthday was such a wonderful letter. So warm. Um, I get a bit emotional yes. also when I, when I look at it. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. And he spoke about her as being the embodiment of African womanhood. It was just a total statement of love from a man who was locked away, not knowing when he was going to be released. You know, they put him away, and each year they renewed it. He had no idea when he was going to come out. It could have gone on for for eternity. And the only reason they, they released him after six years was it was having a bad effect on him. And they dumped him in Kimberley and walked away from him. And he also, in his letters, speaks about the fact that she's a mother and a father to their kids, that yeah. she has to do everything because yeah. how long were, were they together and how long were they separated? Well, they were together. Uh, when I, was, I remember when the twins were born because um, I took him to Baragwanath Hospital uh, to visit the twins. When I, that was the early stage of our friendship. Later on, when uh, the twins had to be uh, had to face their ritual uh, initiation, uh, he wrote to me from the island and said he didn't want them to undergo the usual uh, surgery in the bush uh, that it happens. So I arranged for a doctor to circumcise them before they went for the initiation. So I was that close to the to the whole family. family. But at that stage, I was very much involved with him. Uh, very deeply because there was no one else doing it and I just more and more moved in and just did things and we became closer and closer and you read the book and you'll know the, the depth of our relationship which was unusual at any time and especially at that mm -hmm. time in South Africa between white and black you know in all our years I think it was 18 years before we were able to sit down and have a cup of tea together in a public place. That was when he was banned in Kimberley, banished. 
and the Diamond Museum, the big hole, opened a restaurant. And we went there, and they had the kitchen in the middle, and for blacks and coloreds on one side and whites on the other. So we went to the white side, <laughs> and they turned us away, said, no, no, he's black, can't come here. So we went to the, quote, non-white side, and they sort of looked at us and said, okay, we could sit there. <laughs> and we sat down. I remember we had tea, I've never forgotten, tea and sausage rolls. And we sat there saying, wow, look at us. We're <laughs> sitting in a public cafe together. Took 18 years of our friendship before that was possible. That was that was what apartheid was like. Benjamin, I actually realize that now, neither of us have mentioned the name of the book that you've written, which is, of course, How Can Man Die Better? We're going to take a short break, and after the break, we're going to look at the legacy that he left behind. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I'm talking to Benjamin Pogrand, who is in South Africa indirectly or directly related to the book How Can Man Die Better, which celebrates the life of Robert Sabukwe. And we are talking on the top topic because Veronica Sabukwe celebrates her 90th birthday this Thursday. Benjamin, many people don't know about Robert Sabukwe today. Do you think that's fair and true? Yes, absolutely. He's been airbrushed out of history deliberately. He was... Uh, he was a contemporary of Nelson Mandela's. They worked together. They were in a, they, they shared a, a cell together. Not so. They, sorry, they were working side by side in Pretoria Prison, sewing mailbags, sitting on the stone floor. <laughs> and uh, they, they, their discussion was who was the greatest English writer. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, the competition was between Shakespeare and George Bernard Shaw. And I th- I'm not sure who backed <laughs> who one, but that was their <laughs> argument in, in prison. Um, but the ANC has airbrushed him out. The PAC today is not the organization it once was. But when I read about South Africa and uh, Human Rights Day comes up, I see it's almost described as an ANC event, whereas mm-hmm. in fact it was Robert Sabuque and the Pan-Africanists. And the reason uh, Sharpful happened was uh, Sabuque, um as a member of the ANC, objected to the fact he thought they were not fighting apartheid strongly enough, and he believed in the former ANC Youth League policy of non-collaboration with the oppressor, and he called on black people to leave their passes, this hated pass book at home, go to the nearest police station, and get arrested. Hmm. And he said, I won't ask anyone to do anything, I won't do it myself, and he went first. He was a teacher at Wits, unusual status, just been offered a full-time lectureship at Rhodes, would be in the first black person, and he turned it all down with Veronica. It was a joint decision. Mm. They were both deeply Christian, but to to take off on that point, one of the things he wrote to me from the island, um, because I used to write to him, and we never knew if the letters would get through. You never knew what they'd stop. And he said to me, uh, he wrote to me at one stage, that if he were not what he was, he would consider becoming a Jew. And I sent him a book he wanted to read about Judaism, and I sent him a whole stack of books. Hardly, I think only one got through. It just stopped them. I used to send dozens of books, and one of those that didn't get through was a collection of Jewish short stories, and I never knew why they never gave it to him. But later on, he changed. And when I said to him, I referred a year or so later to what he had said about being a Jew, he said, no, no. Uh, by then, he had changed because he was upset with Christianity because the priests were too frightened and were staying away from him. But he said, no, 
He admired Jews. He admired Jewish belief in God and in the Testament, in the Old Testament. That was his basis of belief. But he said, no, he didn't, he didn't want to have any... He believed in God, but he didn't want to have any formal More religion that that changed and, at and, that time. And you sent him food, particularly oh, yes. Jewish food. Well, you know, I try and write things that might get past these wretched senses of unknown people who are looking at these letters. And I tried desperately to write things that could make him think. So I wrote about Jewish soul food and he expressed an interest. So I was in Cape Town and on a Friday afternoon I went down to the what was then the ferry boat terminal for the island and I handed to the warders um, a Warsaw Polony, you know, long, a long red thing and a Kitka, challah and a, a bottle of um, uh, roll mop, herrings. And uh, he never got the Polony. They must have looked at this long tubular thing and wondered what on earth was hidden inside, inside. it. It was just the right shape for a file, I suppose. And um, I thought, I don't know if they cut it all up and threw it away or they ate, ate it. it. They, they, <laughs> More likely. I never heard about it. But he wrote to me that he loved the challah, uh, but he said the roll mops he did not like, but he ate them out of personal loyalty oh. to me. Oh. <laughs> I suppose chicken soup was not an option. It was impossible, I'm afraid. And, and, and his views on Israel? Well, that was very interesting. In 1967, he wrote to me, and he gave me, he, he said, if I knew Dayan, which I didn't, he was very much against Dayan, very much in favor of Levi Eshkol. And what he basically said, this is the time to raise, raise your enemy, to wash his wounds. This is the time to be compassionate to your enemy. Raise him up, honor him, give him dignity. That is the way to peace. And he was right. He was against Ayan. He said he was arrogant. But what he said in 1967 applies today. today. You know, except he's an enemy, but give him dignity. And I'm afraid, uh, sadly, I'm one of those in Israel who believes that we don't do enough in that way. We're too arrogant. Benjamin, we unfortunately have to leave the interview soon, but before we do, your paying tribute to Veronica in the Sunday Times is kind of one way to highlight the role that the Sabuquis played in history. Are there other things that can or should be done? Well, that's a big question. I, I, I only really... have one minute. So. Yeah. Well, I think uh, there should be more monuments to them. I think the house in Galashewe township in Kimberley um, should be a, a historical site. Um, more attention should be paid to his life. There should be more teaching because I think the reason why the book is selling is people, especially in the present circumstances in South Africa, have become conscious of this man whose total commitment was to freedom for his people mm. without reserve, who sacrificed his life literally for freedom, who was honest who had an integrity which was quite extraordinary. And that, I think, is what people increasingly are beginning to recognize and to see him as a role model for what should be in this country. I think that's an absolutely beautiful way to end this interview. So thank you so much for coming in.